Hey everybody, happy Thursday and welcome back to another episode of Predetermined, a pro wrestling hangout. I'm your host, Garrett Callender, and with me, as always, a man who I am almost positive was more excited about the new Gorillas record than you were, Derek Halpin. That's, that. yeah, I, I love the new Gorillas album quite a bit, and... If you're listening to this episode, it means that 4th of July has passed, so hope you had a happy 4th of July. Hope you had a safe 4th of July. You didn't have a uh, an M80 match and lose a thumb or an eyeball or a leg, depending upon the size of your uh, your firework load. Did you set some fireworks off, Garrett? Uh, as of this date being... July 3rd, <laughs> the time of record this recording, <laughs> I have not set off any explosives. I was giving you the opening to admit whether or not you had fireworks present. So I think they're actually legal in Tennessee, so I think I'd be good if I wanted to. Light some dynamite and hit our music, man. I didn't say goddamn that time. I did notice you didn't say goddamn, but you're saying it now. So does that take away from the fact that you didn't? I negated it, but it's just going to be a smooth transition if we're going to become a PG, you know, a family friendly podcast. So and that's the goal, right? The goal is to not not say the word fuck. Yeah, well, so see, much. Yeah, not saying fuck, not saying um. Not saying matches a whole lot. There's certain words that we just like to use a lot, and you become very aware of those in the editing process from what I hear. You're uh, remind- you're reminding me of the beginning of uh, CKY2K when he's like, there's offensive things that you should never say in school, like fucks and shits and pussy wussies. <laughs> pussy wussies. Hey, uh, I think we should go ahead and remind people of what they know we're going to remind them of, which is that we've got a little bit of a contest going on right now that uh, our listeners have a really good chance of winning. We won't say how good, but they're pretty good. (laughs) They're pretty good at this point. If we could be, if we could be a little self-deprecating, we're doing a contest where we're going to have a drawing that gets you two tickets to all in the biggest indie wrestling show of all time on September 1st here in Chicago. And uh, we're the deadlines, July 17th, man. Um, so, so yeah, Garrett, you want to quit sleeping on it? What are you doing? You don't really? have two tickets to this. We have two For tickets real. to this to give you enter the contest. Your chances of winning are spectacular. That doesn't mean no one's listening to the show. You're like, I think that probably means no one's listening. Hey, we're doing fine. Predetermined is fine. Just no one's and entering the contest. And and the thing that th- they probably have heard us plug the contest so many times by now, they know exactly how to enter. Maybe you're listening to this and you're making excuses for why you haven't done it already. Maybe you're going, ah, I've got time. There's got a couple weeks. Don't forget about it. Don't lose track of what day it is, what month it is. All in September 1st, but the deadline is July 17th. And if you want to enter our contest, you know what you're supposed to do. But if you don't, I'll say it anyway. You need to get on iTunes and look up our podcast on there. It's predetermined a pro wrestling hangout. You know, because you're listening to it, we do this shit every week. And you need to go give us a good rating. Give us a good review. You know, tell us what you like about the show. Maybe your favorite episode, something like that. And before you submit that review, take a screenshot of it. So you have proof that it's you that left it. Go ahead, post your review, and then take the screenshot of your review and email us at predeterminedpodcast at gmail.com with the subject line, I want all in. And that's all you have to do. That's all how you get an entry in. And man, like we said at the top of this whole thing, you got a pretty good chance of winning. But every time somebody gets an entry in, a little bit harder. But right now, chances are good. So I would get on top of that ASAP. If you're the kind of kind of person who, you know, doesn't want to attend live wrestling, just wants to chat about it, hey, follow us on the social medias at 
Wrestle Hangout on Twitter, at Predetermined Podcast on Instagram, at Wrestle Hangout on Facebook. Just hop on there. We're having a good time. We're, uh, we're just chatting wrestling all day while we're at work. And I also think it's relevant that we plug the social media because one of the things we've been doing, you know, since like the beginning of the podcast is obviously we've been interacting with our, you know, listeners on the social media, but lately we've also been taking match requests for things that our listeners want us to check out, you know, on YouTube or on the WWE network and we watch it and we've been talking about it on the show. We did that last week and we're doing that again this week. So that's a great transition, Garrett. What did we watch this week? So this week, John Veron at I Better Be Funny on Twitter requested that we watch Magnum TA versus Tully Blanchard in an I Quit Steel Cage match from Starcade 1985. 1985 was two years before I was born, Garrett. Did you know that? I, I, I did know that, Derek. You know why? <laughs> you know why? Because you're the same age as me. It's true. It's true. It's true. We grew I up was together. I was. Uh, I love you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> at, at this point in my life, I was still living inside my dad's testicles. Uh, I'm guessing he did not tune into Starcade '85 or attend it. Probably not. Your okay. dad doesn't seem like he gave a shit about WCW at any point in his life. That's not true. My dad watched so much WCW with me when I was a kid. But did he give a shit? I think sometimes. I think there was a time when Ric Flair. Uh, was on camera, and he handcuffed himself to the rope and started taking his clothes off and was demanding something from, you know, the higher-ups. And he said, if you turn those camera, or he said, if you cut to commercial, when you come back, I'm going to be naked in here. That was a great promo. Was- Everyone knows that promo, and he may have done that more than once. Was this, is that just a thing? His, his thing was threatening you with old man nudity. When I think of Ric Flair promos, I think about his face getting beat red, his eyes getting glassy and and scary, and him starting to take off clothes, whether it was his tie or his shirt or his belt. And then every now and then, he would take an inanimate object, drop it in the middle of the ring, bounce off the ropes, and then drop an elbow on it to show how ready he was to fight. That's a Ric Flair promo. And what year would it have been that like we got to that version of Ric Flair that just cries a lot? God, I don't know. Um, late nineties, right? Was it late nineties that he's just like he got very emotional? Yeah, I mean, I mean, back when Arn Anderson was retiring and Kurt Henning was betraying the Horsemen and stuff like that. Yeah, so it was I around mean, the time that he had to start hanging out with Randy Orton more. So, <laughs> well, wait that that was like oh three oh four now. As a diehard fan of the New World Order, I thought Rick. My initial reaction to my experiences with Ric Flair is I thought he was a little bit of a crazy little pussy. I his promos were intense, and I knew that he cared. But I was always watching him get beat up. I do so, you think that okay? So us growing up during the Attitude Era, during the Monday Night Wars, you had the NWO. Going up, there were very few. I mean, at that point, Ric Flair was one of the few people that didn't join NWO at any point, correct? Yeah. So when you're looking at the NWO and you had the option of them or Ric Flair as a child, was there ever a moment <laughs> where you went Ric Flair? No. And, and that's what was so interesting is that the NWO had a rivalry with the Four Horsemen. And then, like, they obviously had a rivalry with Sting as a singular entity and Goldberg as a singular entity. And then they split. No, I mean, at what point was I... I mean, I guess that, like... I think Ric Flair and the Horsemen were there to appease the old-time WCW fan base. While all the new stuff was going on, they kept them together to appease those people. And I get it, but as, you know, a 10, 11, 12-year-old kid, there was no way in hell... That was going to be the guy I got behind. I'm sure there and, was a 10-year-old during that time period that loved Ric Flair, and I would love to interview him and know what, as your 10-year-old <laughs> self, what was the thing? You're like, oh, man, I liked his watches. It was just way you know, into his watches. Let's go back to where we started here. We were we, from Starcade 1985. We watched Magnum TA versus Tully Blanchard for the United States Championship. And a cage match that's also an I quit match. And I I have to open up by saying these are not usually the kind of 
I don't go back and watch matches from this time period very often. And one of the things that you correctly pointed out is that part of it's because most of the people involved look so uncool. <laughs> and you don't like, mean, you don't mean like uh, War Raiders, Dad fist pumping. Uncool. No, I just I just mean completely like visually like like I can like I mean obviously you kind of know what camera you know, work you're going to get into, you know that it's not going to be HD, it's going to be a grainier quality, you know that the the lighting is going to be darker. Like, you can anticipate all that, but then the people, you're seeing a lot of big hair and mustaches and lots of chest hair, and, like, half the wrestlers on the roster have, like, black and white cowboy boots on. Well, okay, so Tully Blanchard walks out, and when you see him, like, your first thought is... This guy doesn't really look like a wrestler as much as he looks like my dad's friend, Jeff. (laughs) It's true. And you're just like, oh, man. It's so true. Jeff. Like, he just looks like a guy. Like, not that he's not in shape. He looks like a co-worker at, like, a serious, like, hard-working job. Like, he looks like he could be, like, like, the construction worker guy that you don't know that much about, but he's there every day. He is like going to roll his eyes at me hard because I don't know how to drive stick. <laughs> right. Like, like he just, he's got, he's put together. That is like an adult who's got his shit together, but you don't know much about him. That's totally Blanchard from our naive perspectives because we were not watching eighties wrestling because we didn't exist yet. I'm just saying, if you're going into this now, this is what this looks like in comparison to the guys today, which maybe he was the like, I, obviously he's fucking awesome because he's totally Blanchard and we, we know of his past. But if I had never seen any of his matches, just watch this man walk out. I'd be like, oh, man, Jeff, what did you just get yourself into? And then uh, Magnum T.A. walks out and I watched this match three times. So as I Jesus, well, you know, I wanted to really absorb it (laughs) (laughs) and it's only like 12 minutes long. So it's, it's a pretty, pretty quick one. But as he comes out, my initial reaction is, oh, I've never seen anyone less cool in my whole life. (laughs) Except everyone I've ever talked to about Magnum TA says he was like the epitome of cool at this time. Well, that he was like considered to be like the next big thing. Well, let, okay, so that was the first time I watched it. By the third time, I'm like, oh, yeah, this guy had sex before he came out. Like, he looks well, like a guy who has constantly just had sex. So much muff. Jesus, that's not a fun <laughs> word. <laughs> that's Magnum TA. He, you know what that Magnum was for, man? No, I don't. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I do. So he's got, <laughs> he's got a mustache. Like, this guy looks like an 80s pro wrestler. He's yeah. built like one. He looks like he's going to kick Jeff's ass. And uh, just that hair, man, that hair is like, as I'm looking at it, I'm like, God, that hair's uncool. But then I realize, holy shit, Kenny Omega has the same hair. And I think he's awesome. So, so this brought up an interesting debate between you and me about Kenny Omega's hair and how we feel about it. So you already came right out and said, you think that Kenny Omega rocks his hair just fine. It, it, I think if he weren't so <laughs> that noise, I think that haircut on a different wrestler wouldn't work. But I think Kenny's already so cool that you're like, yeah, I can fuck with a mullet. It's fine. Yeah, that's part of his look. Now, I know that there's a lot of people who have a physical affinity for Kenny Omega. And I get it. He's he, like, I, I mean, I don't necessarily share it, but I get it. And I think what I said to you about Kenny Omega's hair is it looks like unsauced noodles. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm not, if Kenny Omega is your favorite wrestler, which is a good chance he could be, I'm not trying to talk shit on Kenny Omega. I don't have, I don't have any issues we, with We Kenny. very much love Kenny on this show. Absolutely. We're, we're, mar- we're marks for Kenny. We're marks for most of the Bullet Club. But... But I'm also I, a mark for a spiffy hairdo, and my man Kenny ain't rocking that. But he rocks it. Like, I just don't know if it works on, like, like it's not the kind of haircut that you go to the barbershop and request. When like, I think of cool hair, <laughs> I think of, like, Joey Ryan. I don't think of, I'm not going to walk into the local barbershop and be, hey, give me the Omega. 
Which is funny because if you mixed Kenny Omega with Joey Ryan, you'd have Magnum TA. <laughs> That's absolutely true. <laughs> like, it's like, they like f- Joey is a haircut away from just being that guy. <laughs> they did the fusion dance and then they went back in time. <laughs> oh, one another thing about this match, I do not want to leave this out because it's an important thing that caught me off guard right at the top of the match. Young Earl Hebner. Like... I I didn't I don't know anything about Earl Hebner's life or career other than WWE and Impact. So when I suddenly saw Earl Hebner refing a match in old WCW between Magnum TA and Tully Blanchard, I lost my mind. Did you even notice that that was Earl Hebner? I'll be honest, I didn't even notice that it was him. You watched the damn match three times, well, the, man. I, you, you, the first thing you notice is the ref. The first thing I notice is we're like two matches from the end of this show, and the whole goddamn ring's covered in blood. <laughs> this says everything about the differences between us on the pro wrestling spectrum. Is the first thing I did was, who's refing tonight? Oh, it's Earl. Young Earl. Well, just so you know, I when I saw all that blood on the ring, like this was like the the second or third time I watched it when I realized, oh my god, they that means this isn't the first match there's been this much blood. So I went back to the first one, click through no blood. Then I immediately saw who was in the second match and I was like, "Oh, well obviously this is where all the blood came from." And uh I watched it and I'll be it it was it was Abdullah the Butcher versus uh, Manny Fernandez, who they were calling, fuck, what was his name in this match? His uh, Raging Bull. <laughs> and like just a couple minutes into this thing, they're they're both gushing. They're both gushing blood because it's fucking Abdullah the Butcher. So why wouldn't they be? But then at one For point, real. I was trying to figure out what kind of match it was, and then I heard the sentence. Uh, Raging Bull must fight for his heritage. He must get the sombrero. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck. What does this mean? It was a sombrero on a pole match. And well, that seems racist. Manny Fernandez was fighting for his heritage by getting that, um, the, uh, the sombrero down. And at one point, he did a flying crossbody. And I don't know if this was a signature move of his or if this was just (laughs) Tony Schiavone saying some shit that was a little racist at the time. But he's like, ah, flying burrito. Hmm. And, you know, Eric Bischoff wasn't feeding that line to Tony Schiavone at this point. So Tony's going to have to own that one. Yeah, that's that's all on you, Tony. Uh, But we (laughs) but going back to the uh, Magnum T.A. Tully Blanchard match, this thing was pretty fucking incredible. I don't know if I've ever watched another wrestling match that felt this much like a bar fight. You you described it perfectly to me like when you said that it was short and sweet. It gets right to the point, gets everything accomplished in a nice neat amount of time and yet is still very very brutal. It's it's two it's two jacked dudes from the 80s just punching each other in the face and one of the things that I really, really appreciated about this match, you really, you guys got to go watch this because it actually puts some of the I Quit matches from the last 10, 15, 20 years to shame. They need to go back to this style. First of all, the microphone isn't like a pretty WWE microphone with the cover, and it's, it's, it's just kind of a, whatever, a low-key microphone. It's almost like a long, skinny microphone that Bob Barker would use on, Absolutely. <laughs> on Price is Right. <laughs> that cord is getting in the way. They're tripping over it. It's a pain in the ass. <laughs> well, and then when one of them, you know, is trying to get them to submit, you know, and give up into the microphone, when they get reversed upon and they get struck with a kick or a punch, that microphone goes flying, and visually it is satisfying as hell. It Um, really is. And uh, getting to see them use that microphone as a weapon, it really kind of gave me a good idea of where Mudvayne got a lot of their stage show from, if you remember the band Mudvayne. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, a Mudvayne reference on this podcast. I feel like Mudvayne, you know, was sitting there watching uh, Starcade 1985, Saw Magnum TA really just digging that microphone in and thought, I could Dig. do that to myself every... N- God damn it. Go ahead, Derek. Dig. Bury me. <laughs> I don't know the rest of the lyrics. I just know it goes... Uh, one of my it's... favorite things about the song, Dig, I'm not going to do it on here, but later, uh, when you're at a party, 
tell somebody that you wrote a poem and then just read the lyrics to dig normal. Don't don't give it the melody of the song. Just read it. Just read my it. favorite. My favorite thing to do on the weekends is to go to like coffee houses that let you go up and read poetry and uh, break out your, you know, your your reading glasses, take out a piece of paper and then begin reading the lyrics to Eminem's Kill You completely seriously. He's been kicked out of a lot of coffee houses. I made this up. I've never done this, but I fantasize about doing it all the time. See, I picture Mudvayne lyrics being if Brock Lesnar had to write poetry. Oh my God, say it. Say it the way Lesnar would say it for everybody. God. All right, let's pull up the lyrics to dig. So this is this is Garrett's impression of Brock Lesnar <clears throat> reading the lyrics to Mudvayne's dig. I got to get into the Lesnar voice. What's a... Fuck, what's it? I'm going to leave Roman covered in his own piss and vomit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're in it. All yeah, right, take by, it away. By the time you're done, you're just going to be wallowing around in shit and piss. God, he's so <laughs> Irish. He, I can't do Brock Lesnar not Irish. Your rendition is is Irish Lesnar, and that's fine. I think by now they're used to it. Oh, I'm just reading the lyrics to this song right now, and it's it's insane. Of is any motherfucker bad? that's thinking they can change me, white knuckles grip pushing through for the gold. <laughs> if you're wanting a piece of me, I broke the motherfucking mold. I'm drowning in your wake, shit rubbed in my face, <laughs> teething on concrete, gums bleeding. Dig. Bear, I can't do it. <laughs> you can read the verses, but when it gets to the chorus... <laughs> I struggle in violated space. Sell out motherfuckers in the biz that try to fuck me. Hanging from their tees, (laughs) rated PG insight. My client, Brock Lesnar, wrote a poem (laughs) that he wants all of you to hear. Did he write it in crown? (laughs) (laughs) He He is using one of his appearances... To read you his book of poetry. So bow down to the greatness. You know, I just thought of a really great segment for this show where we do this every week. Where each of us picks a random song and doesn't prepare the other person for it. And then reads it as a wrestler. And we do this every week for the entertainment of our listeners. If they want it. <laughs> Nobody this is for this. This is Booker T's rendition of The Thunder Rolls. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and read you the uh, the next Brock Lesnar lyrics. Uh, this isn't this isn't Mudvayne. This is my other favorite song that has the uh, worst. This is the like best worst song to read the lyrics to. Take it away, Brock. I walk a lonely road, the only one that I have ever known. I don't know where it goes, but it's only me, and I walk alone. I walk this empty street, on the boulevard of broken dreams, where the city sleeps. And I'm the only one that walks alone. I walk alone. I walk alone. I walk alone. I walk ah. Ah ah. <laughs> Should we get back to what we were talking yeah, about? Let's, man? Uh, we're, we're bad at tangents. So we're like 25 <laughs> minutes into this podcast. Still talking about a 12-minute match. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, no, I think going back to what you were saying, yeah, Magnum TA versus Tully Blanchard, hard-hitting. It's like a bar fight. They're hitting each other in the face. And the coolest part is when they grab the microphone and they go to try to get the guy to you know, make him submit, make him say he quits, they hold the microphone down to their face so that the other guy is like screaming and howling and in agony. And I turned to, I turned to my girlfriend while this is going on, and I said, some of these screams sound like the screams from Josh in the Blair Witch Project when he's off in the distance getting mutilated by the Blair Witch. Like, these are, these are painful, agonizing screams that I wish they did more often, like today when they have an I Quit match. Well, that's, uh, that's what John actually said, the, the listener who submitted it said that uh, you know, he's a horror director, and he said this gave him a better understanding of directing horror. Really? It's just overall this match. And I, I agree with you. Like the Hearing that, because they're basically sticking the microphone into the other guy's mouth. So you're hearing him very clearly, and the guy doing the shoving of the microphone, he's muffled, but they're both just screaming, and the screams are so real. And I don't know if I've ever seen selling like this in pro wrestling. 
Like this, that's a great way. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Just, I mean, there were moments when Tully Blanchard stood up and he's got like his, you know, he's kind of doing the put up your dukes thing as he's standing, but he's stumbling in such a way that it, I mean, for all I know at this point, it's just fucking real because these guys are covered in so much blood and it's not just coming from their face. Like Tully Blanchard busted his arm open and has blood gushing out of his shoulder at one point. I mean, this is a, this is a pretty nasty match. It's a, it's a real quick, really violent little, uh, little show. Well, at one point they, they get a, it's like a lawn chair, like a deck chair that just flies from the heavens yeah, over the I mean, steel we, cage. It's it, it. You know how Stone Cold has the guy that chucks him beers from his cooler on the side. This was like that, except it was like a, a wooden deck chair. And it gets thrown in the ring. It gets broken up by Tully Blanchard. And he turns it into like a giant steak, or a skewer, or a giant splinter. And he's threatening to stab T- Magnum Ta in the head with it, and then ends up getting reversed. And oh, I mean, it's, it's that moment match. in a movie where you're watching somebody get a knife put to their face as they're struggling to not get stabbed in the face. That's absolutely what the drama was. But in a pro wrestling match, that's not... I mean, I understand that it's an I quit match, but he was going for the kill. Tully was going to kill... It felt real. It felt super real. And then there was even a (laughs) moment where Magnum TA, as he's, you know, fighting to not get stabbed in the goddamn eyeball, he knees Tully Blanchard in the ribs, and you think, okay, he's going to reverse this. But he comes right back at it. And right. Like, oh my God. <laughs> like, it actually started to become pretty stressful. Can we talk about how gritty the cage itself was, too? Oh, the top was so sharp. Yeah. I mean, there, there was nothing dressed up. I mean, this just felt like they had stolen fencing from somebody's, the back of their warehouse or wherever. I mean, this was just like a legit cage. I, it's something that we we don't really talk about too often. We're so used to either like you know a hell in a cell or an I quit match or a last man standing match. I thought it was unique that they did an I quit match and then confined them into a cage, and I liked it. I liked that they kind of mixed like a couple different match styles for this for this particular match. Oh, for sure. I thought that was uh, yeah. I don't know if I had ever seen that before, but it makes sense. For the I quit, I feel like in a normal I quit match, they end up just going all over the arena, but making them absolutely 100% have to stay within the ring. Right. And did, I mean, throughout this, did we really see any, you know, wrestling moves? Like any, you know, suplexes or any, we didn't see any power bombs. It was just, this was a fucking brawl for 12 minutes. They got, and it shows you you don't need a ton of time to really convey like a really brutal story. Um, they may have had a couple wrestling moves right at the beginning, but it didn't take long before before there was some blood streaming down the face, and the, like you said, the mat was covered, and they're throwing they're throwing them fists, and God, it, it, guys, you have WWE Network, get on there, look up Starcast or not Starcast, <laughs> we're gonna be at Starcast. I don't know if you know, look up Starcade nineteen eighty five, look up Magnum TA versus Tully Blanchard. It's it won't take you long at all to get through. Totally worth your time. I was very happy I watched it. Thanks for the suggestion, John. Oh, yeah. So far, you guys recommending us matches, you're two for two, or technically like five for five, on recommending us shit that I have (laughs) thoroughly enjoyed. So Keep it coming. Please, please keep them coming. If you have a match you want us to watch, please uh, tweet at us at WrestleHangout. Uh, You know, send us a message on Instagram at Predetermined Podcast. Let us know on Facebook at WrestleHangout. We want to talk to you about these, and this was fun as hell. I want to keep watching matches. Oh, but I, I did want to tell you, I watched a, um, I watched Tully Blanchard do a shoot interview. And what was the, was the match the inspiration for doing this? Or well, what, I wanted to see reason? him talk about this match. And you just wanted to see Tully Blanchard. Well, this was Tully Blanchard from, the video said it was 2016, but I don't, it's hard to say. The video looked a little <laughs> old, but he based he specifically got asked about this match. The video clip was eight minutes long. For six minutes, he started complaining about people saying wrestling was fake. Like that that hurt him. That oh yeah, he was he was he got hot in this video. And no one brought that up. They just asked him about that match and what that match was like. But I guess that was all that must be his go to 
match for like, do you think wrestling's fake? This is what I did. But then he started right. going through what other performers are going to cut themselves open for you. And he said the sentence, do you think a doctor would cut himself with a razor blade so you could? It's ludicrous. And then, <laughs> and then I, <laughs> and I couldn't stop oh. laughing. No, I, I don't want my doctor to cut himself like that. I would not trust that man. <laughs> We're into pro wrestling, man, though. This, this doesn't make sense. Like, we watch people willingly. I mean, no matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be ECW. It doesn't have to be a death match. These are still guys going out there. Like at 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 on a good day, they're still taking some bumps that would probably ruin most of our days. Well, and from what I looked at on Starcast, or God damn it, uh, I keep yeah, going to keep hard. saying Starcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, when I I'm going to keep watching these matches, and it looks like everybody used color back then. It looked because the canvas is just just so bloody that by the time the last guys are going on they're just rolling around in other dudes blood that's why as you've pointed out before rick flair's forehead is just tissue paper that you just barely got to tap and next thing you know he's spurting blood I, I like i said when we started talking about it i haven't watched a lot of matches from that era though i don't know if it's just because i feel out of my element and i don't have like a personal connection with a lot of the guys that wrestled back then or i don't, I don't know what it is but like we said, if you have some more match suggestions, send them, send them our way. We'll check them out. We'll talk about them on the episode. Maybe not for 30 minutes like we did this one, which is fine. We love talking about it, but 12-minute match, 30-minute 30 30 review. <laughs> so. Well, there was a lot of nonsense in there. Uh, Brock Lesnar sang Mudvayne. He uh, sang Green Day. You know, there's, there's a lot of nonsense. You're getting your money's worth this episode. But, uh, hey, you actually... Um, you're getting ready to take a trip here soon. Why don't you, why don't you plug, your, your plug your trip out west, Garrett? Oh, shit, yeah. I've got a couple, couple bucket list items coming up here. So I've always wanted to go to a wrestling show at the Cow Palace. Uh, that's pretty rare, it seems, that there's, you know... I, actually, what was there? A couple years ago, there was an, a pretty big indie show there, and I believe Cody fought Joey Ryan in a steel cage at the Cow Palace. But coming up this weekend, the G1 Special the New Japan G1 special live from the Cow Palace in San Francisco. It's actually going to be televised in the United States on Access. And this is a big deal because New Japan's finally starting to expand into the American market a little bit more. And you're going. And what is it about the Cow Palace specifically? Like, what is it that makes this such a draw? What is it about this that makes it a bucket list venue for you? Much like Allstate Arena was, you know, like there's 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 these arenas and there's these venues that people feel obligated to check out. Why is this one of them? Well, I mean, when you look up the history of the Cow Palace, it's been around since I mean, it was built around the time of the Great Depression to be used as an actual cattle barn. And I don't know. I want to say I, as I was reading, it looked like it was somewhere around the 60s, 50s or 60s that it started being used for uh, pro wrestling matches. And if you just look at the history of this building, everyone had wrestled at this place. It was just, yeah. you know, it was a big wrestling venue with a lot of history in it. And I want to be able to experience that. And, you know, uh, getting to see New Japan's first show in San Francisco, pretty cool. If I recall correctly, I do think when I was watching Attitude Era or whatever, late 90s, mid 90s WCW, I think they used to run shows out of the Cow Palace. Like when we were watching as kids. Yeah, and then didn't, uh, wasn't there a show out of the Cow Palace where, isn't that where Eddie Guerrero won his world championship? I, if, if that's the case, I, man, I didn't know that. That's a great piece of trivia that you just brought up and stumped me. I feel like I should know that. I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'd have to look it up, but I'm pretty sure that's where Eddie Guerrero won his first uh, WWF title. His only WWF championship. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's where it was. That's pretty cool. So you're going to that, what, in just a couple days? Yeah, I'm going to be flying there on Friday. And uh, Friday, luckily, I get to check another one off. There's another promotion I've always heard great things about in Oakland, California, which is Hood Slam. I've heard that this is I just, know, just a wild I know show. nothing about this, man, so. I've seen, uh, I don't know, I've always seen a lot of articles on Vice and different sites like that about it. Uh, it just seems like a really fun, wild show. I mean, it looks like uh, I'm going to get to see Joey Ryan, see Brian Cage, so hopefully uh, also see some new wrestlers that I've never heard of. 
So you'll be reporting back to us on the next episode about how this trip went. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely going to. And I'm taking uh, my friend Steph with me, who has never attended pro wrestling. Uh, She's going to have her first match be Hood Slam. And I'm guessing that's going to be a really weird first one. You you take people to the nicest places for their first pro wrestling match. Oh my god! One of my I think I told you one of my friends that's going with me to Joey Janela lost in New York. That's gonna be her first match ever. Oh man! Yeah, she's gonna see PCO in the first one. I don't know how you go back from that. You're quite the host, man. Like you didn't prepare me for my first death match experience the way you probably should have, but it made for a great episode. So I'm excited to hear what everyone has to say. So speaking of death matches, I think the listeners are going to have to uh, do some poking you with a stick. Yeah, you you really want me to go the week after All In, there is a GCW show up in the Chicago area that Garrett really wants me to go back for another death match experience. But the main reason I want you to go back, right now Metal Dave and Justin are trying to convince Greg to go back one more time. And I really want you to go and get some audio of Greg. I want you to sit it, right next to Greg. Sit. <laughs> the, you is, should sit in between Greg and Metal Dave. Is Greg like a mythical being on this podcast? People need to hear Greg. Like that was, you know, I, I hear more people mention the Deathmatch episode than any other one. And people were really sad they didn't get to hear Greg's voice. You know what we need to do, and I think it would totally work as a podcast episode. I think we should just do an episode with Greg talking about death matches, just getting his opinion. The way we debated how, what death matches are to wrestling, get Greg's thoughts live on the podcast because I think people want to hear it. And you know what we could also do? Send you there with just your <laughs> iPhone and you interview him about that. As it's happening in front of you both. <laughs> Garrett, we were at one of these. I don't know if I can just, it, like, I'm going to be so preoccupied trying to make sure that I don't die. I don't know if I have it in me to record a guy while I'm avoiding light tubes coming at my face. Hey, I'm the one doing the editing, man. I'll figure that out when you send me the audio. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for caring about my safety, my friend. Hey. Oh, my goodness. Last time we went, a man was about to dive into me with a bunch of light tubes. I tried to run. You pulled me back. So basically what you're saying is you're trying to sabotage me and send me on a suicide mission with the hopes that at the at the absolute worst, you'll get some great Greg audio. Hey, and you know what? This is called the Nick Gage Invitational. I'll think about it. Is that what you want to hear? No, I want to hear yes is what I want to hear. I want to hear you commit to it right now. Can we just get to all in first, man? Can I just look forward to that without also planning my funeral? What if this sells out before all in and you don't get in? I don't think that if I show up and I offer them money that they will refuse to let me in. You might be a fucking narc. You didn't get a ticket. (laughs) (laughs) might kick you out. This shit's in the back of a Foreman Mills. It's illegal. They let me in and then the the guy who starts the show is just like, all right, everyone, everyone here had a ticket. Everyone paid in advance, except for this guy right here. We don't trust him. He's here to rat and ruin the show. And then I die. You got, yeah. So what you need to do to look more like you belong is immediately when you walk into the building, light up a cigarette. You need to be smoking inside <laughs> when you go in and they're like, okay, he's cool. He's cool. He goes by his own rules. Oh my God, man. I, I, I like I said, I'll think about it. What like I mean where, that's where the, I feel here? like that's the best I'm gonna get out of you right now. And For I, now. I don't have to be happy about this, but Trust me, if it weren't such a long drive, I would be up there with you going. I want to talk about something more pleasant to get my mind off of my potential death come September. Okay. After all in. Well, it was Cody Rhodes' birthday this week. Go, go with that. Like, wh- where are we going for Cody Rhodes' birthday? Okay, so I, it was Cody Rhodes' birthday. I saw his brother wish him a happy birthday, and I saw a picture from a match. That you ended- said his brother. Gold Dust. Yes, there you go. Can I not just, people know who <laughs> Cody Rhodes' brother is. You didn't even say Dustin. I, his, I'm sorry. Oh, is it, you're saying it's offensive to Goldust, uh, a future Hall of Famer, that I yes. didn't call him by name. Okay, I understand that. I, I apologize, Dustin. <laughs> Plus, I'm pretty sure Jeffy 
out there is a big gold dust fan, right? I think he is. And oh, speaking. Think- so yeah, we have a, a listener of the show, Dalton. He goes by Jeffy Wrestling, and he is delighted when anyone on the internet refers to him as Jeffy. Because now we're doing it on the podcast. Because now He's we're doing it in his pants right now. But no, I think the thing that made him happiest is PCO responded to him the other day and called him Jeffy. <laughs> How did I miss this? <laughs> He's like, thank you, Jeffy, I will, or whatever the fuck he said. But just Jeffy coming out of that man is hilarious to me. Uh, okay, but when uh, what Dustin posted was a picture from Battleground 2013 of Dusty, Goldust, and Cody. Right. And I started reading about it, and everybody was saying, this is a pretty underrated match. You don't hear a lot of people talking about this one. So I went back and watched it. It was those three versus The Shield. Or it was really, you know, Goldust and Cody versus Dean. Or no, Dean was the U.S. champ at the time, so it was Seth and Roman. Right. And the crowd was so hot on that match. The just the build going into it where you get to see the shield beat the shit out of old dusty roads. That's that's how good, you get some heat. Good stuff. Oh, it was so good and it was so crazy to see the crowd going so nuts for Gold Dust. They it, it seems like such an oddball match, don't you think? It really does, and I don't know if it was just the inclusion. Honestly, I think it was the build because it was it, and which is crazy because it was one involving Stephanie and Triple H, you know, going against Dusty. Right, and there was a point in the build when it showed uh, Triple H making the Big Show hold <laughs> hold Dusty and knock him unconscious. And you see Big Show just crying, tears streaming down his face, like, I'm so sorry, Dusty. And then just punch an old bad. man straight in the mouth. <laughs> Big Show's always getting abused by authority figures on WWE programming. What's up with that? I Just put it this way. If you need Big Show to do something for you, he's easily manipulated. But he has an ironclad contract, man. And, an and iron- now he has like a 12-pack. He's shredded. He is. That's terrifying. He's figured it out at his age. I, like I'm jealous. Eventually, we're gonna hit a point where WWE doesn't want him anymore. He ends up at Joey Janela's Spring Break Seven, and he's just doing backflips and shit and fighting Walter. Can we talk about the new Being the Elite? Because I feel like we don't talk enough about that show on this podcast. And this week's new episode was really, really good. Yeah, I have only recently, and like the last couple months uh you know got caught up on being the elite i'm I'm new um very impressed i still get marty and flip take japan's theme song stuck in my head from time to time which is hilarious i think that was one of their bits that didn't go over very well but for you that was a hit i think it was because the quality of the song was so bad it just reminded me of something that i would have recorded on a video camera as a kid and for whatever reason it just one is a villain the other one does flips. They put it together. It's Marty and Flip take Japan. It's Marty and Flip take Japan. I don't know. For some reason, that tickles my fancy. I don't know why. But uh, this week, they they did some other things. But the, the, the main segment on Being the Elite this week was the funeral for famous dick wrestler Joey Ryan. I'll never get tired of him being referred to as famous dick wrestler. <laughs> but he's but here's the funny thing. He's not the only dick wrestler. He's just the most famous one. Oh, of course. Guys, if you haven't already, and I'm sure a lot of you have because I'm sure you're subscribed, please check out this episode. So many hilarious moments in it. It doesn't matter if it's the, the SCU stuff, which is still funny. And maybe their funniest one to date. Um, it doesn't matter if it's Marty Skrull singing, If you like pina coladas. <laughs> oh my good lord. I was in tears watching this episode. God, even the part where Flip was trying to capitalize on the fact that Joey Ryan was dead. <laughs> and try to be like, well, Joey Ryan's dead, so I guess this means that there's an open spot at All In. And Cody looks at him s- with so much hate in his eyes. Ugh. Good stuff, man. What, is, uh, what, what were Wait, your thoughts on this oh, week's actually, BTE? Now that you were saying that, uh, so in the storyline, 
Hangman Page has killed Joey Ryan. And we know that Joey Ryan's ghost is going to be at StarCast, so we have to imagine that Joey's going to show up at All In. But uh, Hangman has been blaming Arrow actor Stephen Amell for the murder, who is also going to be at All In. Could this possibly end up being Arrow and Joey Ryan's ghost versus Hangman and someone else, possibly Flip Gordon? I don't know, man. Like, it, it, There was a twist, two twists, technically, at the end of the episode, where... Somebody behind Hangman Page admits that he was the person who killed Joey Ryan. And then, I mean, you're led to believe it's Joey Ryan, right? That Joey killed himself? Yeah. That Joey faked his own death? That's that's how I took it. And then, after you think the episode's over, then the Bucks start talking about uh, the fact that they never found Joey Ryan's body. And it was just presumed that he was dead. Here. That he he could still be out there. Sorry, just thinking about uh, Hangman's eulogy, where he's like, he was a pe- everybody knows he was a penis pretender, but then when we were at bar wrestling, he really did it that night. He really did it. He did it for real for the first time ever. And I mean, I know he made me drink his piss, but <laughs> this is the worst funeral. I have ever, like, <laughs> they built it, they milked it so much, I knew it was coming, and it was still funny. Could Chris Daniels be wearing a more annoying pair of sunglasses? I think he gets it. Oh, he knows I, it. He knows it. But do you, th- <laughs> do you think the second he saw those, he's like, oh, these yep. are the ones. These are exactly what you would see some a-hole wearing at a Sum 41 concert back in 2000. <laughs> Or, uh, shit, what was, fuck, what were their names that hung out with Rikishi? Grandmaster Sexay and, uh... Scotty Too Hottie? Scotty Too Hottie. They were, like, basically Scotty Too Hottie glasses, but not as colorful. It was Grandmaster Sexay that wore those beautiful goggle glasses before he did a diving move off the top rope. I can't remember what it was. I think it was a leg drop. But, uh, yeah, those are totally his style glasses. SCU! (laughs) The... The one thing that being the elite has done a good job of is kind of make me want an SCU shirt. Right? Like, these weren't not necessarily characters that before being the elite that I... It wasn't like I I cared. But now, I I care quite a bit more than I thought I did. (laughs) Good for Kazarian and Scorpio Sky and Christopher Daniels. Shit, did you see that... So, also at the beginning of this episode, we know that they're alluding to that the Young Bucks are going to team up with Chris Jericho on the... Uh, the Chris Jericho cruise. Yeah, in fact, that that gets overlooked in a lot of this stuff in the new episode. Is that that Bucks are now in the Alpha Club? They they are officially members of the Alpha Club. And I saw that SCU suggested that they take on Bucks and Jericho. Now, are they gonna go? Are they gonna go by the Bucks of Jericho or Y two Jackson? Which do you think sounds better? Bucks of Jericho, because I think that's the shirt that sells. The, yeah, you know I mean? that Y2 ja- I think <laughs> From a most people, standpoint. like if it said Y2 Jackson, people would be like, the fuck? they have a last name? I thought they were Nick and Matt Buck. Exactly. But uh, he presented them with, he presented them with Alpha Club shirts and pins, and they plugged their respective merch stores and bragged about all their success on Hot Topics. So that was how the episode opened. And Good you stuff. see Cody getting in an argument with the Young Bucks. Haven't you sold your fans enough shit? <laughs> <laughs> there were so many great lines in this week's episode. Ugh. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the other classic episodes of being the elite are, but this this has to be up there. Oh, my God. Um, what do we move on to next, man? Like, what, what, oh, what else you got for me this week? I actually wanted to talk about this. So... Battle, uh, Battleground 2013, it opened with a match between RVD and Alberto Del Rio. And there was just a moment where, before I started searching for the Rhodes match, I was like, well, let's just let's get a couple minutes into this. And RVD comes out to that song, One of a Kind. Oh, yeah. By Seven Breaking, Dust, right? No, it was by Breaking Point. I thought it was Seven Dust. Maybe I'm wrong. No, it's definitely Breaking Point, and I'll tell you why I know this. Breaking Point was the first rock band I ever saw live. (laughs) 
Didn't you see them at the Oakley Lindsay Center in Quincy, Illinois? I did. I saw them open for Seven Dust and Soil. That's what it is. Never mind. It was the- I just related that with Seven Dust. That's where I got that from. That was a weird fucking concert. That was the weirdest, like, first concert. It would have been freshman year high school. My mom dropped me and a couple friends off to go to this thing. And this was easily the most violent concert I've ever been to. And I've been to, at this point, hundreds of concerts. This was this thing was fucking weird. Well, I was going to say, wasn't there like a thing where you were worried at one point about someone bringing like an ice pick into the mosh pit? Wasn't like this something that had been brought up online as a possibility? I think that happened at like a metal concert recently, but not not this one. But, you know, I had heard it recently enough that I was like, this could happen. But the wor- the weirdest thing was this concert was sponsored by Cuddy Whiskey. And what Cuddy... So nothing cool ever happened in Quincy up until this point. There's no concerts there ever. But then... Well, Destiny's Child did play in the same building before this. Let's be clear about that. Let's be very clear about that. But <laughs> but what had happened the day before Beyonce this was, was a hot was tub it? convention. <laughs> uh, so they get on the microphone and say, whoever drinks the most Cuddy whiskey tonight gets to party with the band. So everybody in the crowd's like, fuck yeah, it's time to drink a whole bunch of Cuddy whiskey. But they're not, <laughs> they're not keeping track of who drank the most Cuddy whiskey. It's not like you're, you're getting a ticket and like hang on to all these tickets and we'll see who has the most. That was just a way to get all these assholes to drink straight whiskey all night long. Oh, man. And at one point, a mosh pit broke out. A man with no shirt and two nipple rings went into the mosh pit. A man with one nipple ring and one nipple returned out of that mosh pit. (laughs) Walked out. Oh, no. He was drug out by security who he had just a circle of blood where a nipple used to be. And he was screaming, let me back in. I want to be in there. He didn't care that he'd lost a nipple. He did not care that he had lost a nipple. But, uh, yeah, the opening band sang One of a Kind by uh, (laughs) by (laughs) Brandon. Which is RVD's theme song. And that just took me back to this world where, while they were playing one of a kind, a man climbed scaffolding and jumped directly onto my, you know, 14-year-old body. I can't believe that this is how we got to this point, where we're reviewing the band that did RVD's theme song and how you've seen them before. Hey, it seemed important. I was a, a young boy. I, uh, <laughs> I think that might have been the first time I saw, saw breasts in person. Wow. The band Soil was doing an autograph signing, and as I walked up, this man said, hey, watch this. Watch what my wife's going to do. No, no. Don't stand there. Get over here so you get a better view. And a man wow. pulled me over to get, to get a look at his wife's chest. And uh, as a 14-year-old boy, pretty excited about that. I feel like my parents would be like, this is what he was doing all those times? Yes. I, was hanging I feel out- like you're still excited about it to this day. It's uh, a little bit like that scene in The Girl Next Door where professional wrestler Horseshoe shows off his girlfriend slash porn model to the boys, and they're excited to partake in their first breast experience. Yeah, this was you, but at a Seven Dust concert. Pretty, pretty cool. Oh, but also, as the match started going, there was a point when Alberto Del Rio was in the corner, and RVD basically did a coast-to-coast but with a folding chair, and he kicked yeah. that folding chair, like, and it was just like a fucking shotgun blast went off, and our uh, Del Rio almost got hit with that. But as Del Rio or RVD was just taking these crazy bumps all over the ring and just getting the shit beat out of him, I kind of realized like this dude is a human crash test dummy. Absolutely, I feel like I've seen that spot so many times, and it's brutal every time. It's just he's very likable. He's a little terrifying. And he can take a beating that looks like a car wreck. So, uh, A-plus for RV. Do you remember the Crash Test Dummies? Yes. Yeah, I was a huge, incredible Crash Test Dummies fan. They were terrifying. Why didn't you like them? I did not like them. They were terrifying. That's, those are different things? Like, you, like, I guess. (laughs) I mean, I'm a fan of Michael Myers, but I would acknowledge that he's terrifying. Was it the eyes? It was the eyes and the mouth, wasn't it? They didn't blink. Yeah. They stare at you. They stare into your soul. And they only exist to be beaten. 
It was a weird gimmick for like an early to mid '90s toy line too, because like it, inherently, the the thing you're supposed to do with these toys is simulate crashes with them, which seems to send the wrong message to children. You don't want to actually be in an automobile accident, and now you're making it happen. I don't know. I had a Sega game of those guys, and it seemed fun to get in a car wreck. <laughs> don't get in a car wreck, man. I love you too much. So just to get back to wrestling here for a second. So over We're the talking weekend, about taking bumps, man. <laughs> over the weekend was also uh, Ring of Honor's Best in the World, which was a... Uh, the pay-per-view was fine. It was... You know, there it wasn't a bad pay-per-view by any means. There were just not as many matches that really, really stood out. Uh, one of them, though, that just completely stood out was Punishment Martinez versus Hangman Page for the TV title. So has Punishment Martinez come a long way from where we saw him last summer? Well, oh, it, 100%. Because if you told me last year that a year from then I was going to be super excited about a Punishment Martinez Hangman Page match. Those are two guys I couldn't have given less of a fuck about a year ago. Right. And now I can't wait to see them go, especially at this point with Hangman. I don't really want to see him going up against jobbers. I want to see him going up against anyone that I think would be better than him. Because he (laughs) surprises me every single time. But uh, the thing that really stood out about this match is the entire night, it was just kind of, you know, pretty normal. Everything seemed pretty normal up until this point. Not not bad, but uh, nothing spectacular. And then you get to this, which was just a brawl. You know, it, they started fighting before the bell went, and it was just a lot of, uh, it was just a lot of violence. And Hangman's been doing some spots that I've never seen anyone do. Like, if you remember it, this last year's Super Card of Honor, he gave Abushi a German suplex off of the barricade. You've been telling me about how much Hangman Page has won you over. And it, it's funny because I remember when we started this podcast, one of the first stories we told on here was about how you didn't want him to sign your program from Wrestle Kingdom because he wasn't there. And you weren't necessarily nuts about him. And that has now changed. And you seem like you're kind of a big mark for Adam Page. I love this man. <laughs> Over the span of a year, <laughs> I'm just, I'm waving an Adam Page flag right now. Uh, he did another spot on this one where he climbed onto the barricade with punishment and gave him a superplex off of the barricade. And you have sat against that barricade. That's not very wide to be able no. to balance on. And there's a lot of things that if they go wrong, you're going to get hurt. Like, you're going to get cut up. That's And he took a fucking beating. There was two spots really quick in a row where Punishment gave Hangman a powerbomb onto the apron and then immediately turned around and gave him a choke slam onto the barricade. Ugh. Back first. Like, it, it almost made me sick while watching his shoulders collide with the barricade. And then, uh, you know, it ends in thumbtacks, and it ended in a way that Punishment won, but it was a really shitty camera angle, and Hangman, clearly, his shoulder was not down. So kind, of, think, kind of a weird end to uh, a really, really fun show. I think we, it would be, like, an injustice if we didn't bring up the fact that there is a new Ring of Honor world champion right now, and it did not happen at the pay-per-view. Which I think caught a lot of people off guard. I think they're doing a really good job of swerving us with what's going on. Because, you know, the main thing we want to tune in for is the, it's a triple threat between Dalton Castle, Marty Skrull, Cody Rhodes. And, and you would assume that they, ha- I mean, supposedly the rumor on the street is that Dalton Castle has a lot of injuries that have been building up and then they needed to get the belt off of him. That's what we're hearing. He broke his hand, I want to say, at Supercard. And then I believe he's kind of gathered other injuries at this point. And it really felt like, okay, this is going to be the time that Cody gets the belt. And we're going to start working our way towards all in. Nope. Swerve. No. And it doesn't even happen at the pay-per-view. No. Next night. So we end up Dalton Castle wins. And I'm starting to wonder if they, you know, out of respect to Dalton, give him one more big pay-per-view win. Well, I mean, it was an interesting choice with Lethal. He's been there before. Um, He's the franchise, not, man. And, and and it's not like the obvious. He's not a member of the Bullet Club. 
It, it was, uh, I think it was a surprise to a lot of people. It made it, the, the news made its way to me pretty quickly. And congrats to Jay Lethal. He's been around the block for a while. He's a, he's a veteran. And I, what, what do you want me to say? He deserves it, right? Yeah, I mean, he definitely does. He, he's one of the best in the world. I don't think you'll ever be disappointed watching a Jay Lethal match. The night before on the pay-per-view, he beat uh, Kushida. And so, but this was just, you know, kind of a house show. And it was televised, so you could watch. It was an Honor Club exclusive. So it made me kind of wonder, is that another way to try and sell the Honor Club? Like, you should be tuning into these Honor Club shows because this could happen. It was a four-way between Dalton Castle, Jay Lethal, Cody, and Matt Taven. And it was, honestly, I thought it, it might have even been better than the three-way the night before. And there was a lot of it where you just, since it was a house show, you're not expecting anyone besides Dalton Castle to win, especially since he just won at the pay-per-view the night before. Right. No, they got us, and good for Lethal. Um, where do you see that thing, going, though? Where do you see, I, does Cody get a belt at some point, or does he get a belt on Saturday from Kenny Omega? Does he end up the IWGP champ? I don't know. You and I had briefly talked about this off, you know, off the record, not on the podcast, but it seems like a nice swerve that they could do. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I'm <laughs> your guess is as good as mine, man. I just, I, I don't know. I really don't see them giving it to Cody right now, just because Kenny is, you know, one of the biggest wrestlers in the world, but do they do that to swerve us so that we can watch Cody chase for it again? There's a couple or ways Kenny, to I mean. look at it. There's a couple ways to look at it, man. I think I think the the one way of looking at it is I don't think they'll end up having as lengthy of a reign as Okada had. That's not going to happen with Kenny. It doesn't matter how popular it is. They'll they'll I'm not saying that the the reign's only going to last a month, but I'm just saying that I don't see it lasting nearly as long. So your guess is as good as anyone's as to when it's going to come to an end, I guess. The other part of it is is everyone who is helping out and allowing all in to happen, they're going to do things to help build hype and to promote it. So you don't know. It may be in the works that a title changes hands to give something to work around for all in. I mean, there's a lot of things that could happen here. It's exciting. It's giving you reasons to tune into all this different stuff, whether it's ROH or New Japan. And it's an exciting time, man. We say it all the time, but it is an exciting time. Uh, away from WWE, but and wrestling overall, a lot of a lot of good stuff, something for everybody. I do want to. Um, we're getting we're getting deep into this podcast, but one thing I do want to thank from our listeners, like we said earlier, we do a lot of interactive stuff on our social media with our fans. And last week, I put together a thing on our Twitter where we had people vote on their top four favorite promo. Uh, guys and girls, and uh, we came up with a top ten list of predetermined listeners' favorite, you know, promo workers in the business. And uh, I just want to say thank you to everyone who's involved in that. Thanks for your submissions. We try putting together fun little games, you know, and and whatever you want to call them, lists and retweets. And Honestly, all that just crap. excuses for all of us to sit around and talk about wrestling even more throughout the week. Yeah, it's fun. And so every week I'm, I'm usually coming up with something fun that people can share and participate in. And we came up with a top 10 promo workers in pro wrestling and Chris Jericho ended up coming up number one. I think he had nine votes. Uh, were you surprised by that or was that, I mean, did that make sense to you? I think a lot of it can be attributed to just this monster run he's had over the last couple of years. I think, I think a couple of years I, and I made this point after the, the list came out, which was, the list <laughs> but uh he's been around for so long too as long as i've known jericho i've never known him as being a guy who gives a bad promo and he's been cutting some very memorable ones since his days in wcw since his you know arrival in wwe and now expanding and doing the new japan scene like everything is memorable everything's good everything and and, and he's been able to evolve too it's not always the same jericho so you know, I think a lot of people, if you ask them, they may tell you that The Rock's the greatest promo guy of all time, you know, at, at his peak. There may be some truth to that, but I also think that Jericho earned a, a spot on our list at number one because of just how long he's been doing this and how good he is at it. So 
that was fun. That was fun assembling that idea and getting, you know, feedback and participation from our listeners. We love you guys. I get excited every time I see people retweeting our stuff and sending pictures and playing along with our games. Uh, love who the social media. Was there anyone else podcast. that Was there anyone else that surprised you that ended up on the list? Um I I think I was more surprised at people who didn't wind up on the list. There were some there were some notable names that you think well, of. Go ahead and just term- read the top ten that were voted by the listeners. So the predetermined that we'll go from number one to number ten. Jericho was number one. The Rock was number two. Stone Cold Steve Austin was number three. Ric Flair was number four. Roddy Piper number five. Dusty nice. Rhodes number six. Randy Savage at number seven. Paul Heyman, the only manager on the list at number eight. CM Punk and Kevin Owens were the top. That was the, the list of the top 10. And I was surprised. I mean, I, I guess not surprised, right word, but I just think it's, it's crazy. Like, you, you think of iconic promos and you think of iconic catchphrases. Hulk Hogan did not receive a single vote from anybody involved. Now, given we don't have thousands upon thousands of people participating in this, I'm sure if we did, he would have garnered some votes. But nobody in our, you know, immediately in our immediate circle gave Hulk Hogan a vote. Um, despite, you know, the 24 inch pythons and eat your vitamins and say your prayers. And let me tell you something, brother, iconic promo catchphrases and Hogan didn't get a vote. Heyman was the only manager on the list. Um, I know a lot of people think of Bobby, the brain Heenan. That was surprising to me. I think he got one vote. He did get a vote, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there weren't a ton on that list. I mean, it felt like a pretty solid list. Like, I felt like it encompassed different eras, different personalities. I was, it was happy fun. to get Dusty Rhodes on there. I think he would probably be my all-time favorite of the promos. That was uh, that made me happy. I didn't, I didn't get a vote in for Dusty, but, but it makes me happy to see that he got enough love that he made the list. So, Man, I, I love doing the social media stuff because it's it's something that we have fun with. Just like we like watching match matches that you guys recommend, keep them coming, and we'll try to pump out ideas on the social media that play some more games. Let's 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 keep doing this. It's fun. Garrett, do you want to take us out of here, man? We we've we've got a pretty good episode put together right now. Yeah, I think. Uh... I think that about covers it. I hope you had a good 4th of July weekend. If you're in San Francisco and you happen to be at the Cow Palace or the Hood Slam show and you see me around in my predetermined a pro wrestling hangout hat, come say hi. Love to talk to you. Uh, but yeah, check us out on social media at Wrestle Hangout on Twitter, at Predetermined Podcast on Instagram, at Wrestle Hangout on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Please hang out with us again. We're here every Thursday. Episode is released at midnight. And uh, we'll, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll see you next week. How's, how about that? How about that? Same, uh, same spot on the couch. We're, we're saving it for you right here. Hit our... Yeah, STU! STU!